Hi, I'm Mark, and we are the Kinship Collective. <laughs> we are ending otherness. We are growing solidarity by celebrating one another's stories, lamenting one another's stories, and reimagining scripture together. As I look ahead into 2022, as we hold the realities that we felt in 2020 and 2021, I kept thinking about the importance of being true to ourselves. How do we hold our truths? The truths we've kind of come into, the things we've worked hard to reconcile, to reorient ourselves to throughout the pandemic. And then when we look ahead into a new year and we start to feel like, oh, things can be something different. Sometimes there is internal conflict. So I thought, who better to talk about this with than our therapist friend, Katie Distelrod. She, from season one, she shared this story about having to choose herself when it felt like choosing herself was going to disappoint everyone around her. And she talked about the ways that she had to learn to suspend judgment and to be gracious to herself and how that led to cherishing herself. It led to new confidence and it led to self-love. This is an incredible conversation. We hope that it helps you suspend judgment towards yourself, to be gracious to yourself and to know that you are loved and that we're family. Check out our conversation with Katie Distelrat. <laughs> hey family, welcome to the Kinship Collective. We are ending otherness. We want to celebrate and lament each other's stories well, and we want to reimagine scripture together. Today, we're here with Katie Distelrath, our first person to kind of come on again. And she's the same wonderful purveyor of grace and love and positivity that she was last time. The same wonderful partner to her wife, Chelsea, and new mom to Brixton, which is a new thing and an incredible thing. And welcome, Katie. How are you doing? Good. Thanks, Mark. It is amazing to be back. I was thinking about the last time we were chatting, and I think it was in the middle of the pandemic. And I remember getting up, getting ready, blow drying my hair, putting on makeup and feeling like that was the first time I had done that in months because no one really did any of that. Uh -huh. <laughs> but now I'm like, oh, okay, this is just, you know, a normal, what is today? Whatever day it is. <laughs> a normal day it is. Absolutely. Katie, I, uh, there's so much to talk about, but to be honest, one of the things that I learned from our conversation just about hosting was that I never wanted to leave a question unasked or when I felt like something comes up in me. And last time you shared this story about being engaged, but then waking up to this new sense of identity within yourself. And that me letting that I we went right from that story to the next thing. And I remember being like, how do we not talk about that process of like going through that? But then when I thought about heading into 2022, and what it feels like to discern values and try to make decisions that we think are going to kind of guide, you know, set an intention or whatever. I thought a conversation with Katie, who's someone who I know is intentional with her life, intentional with her time, her relationships, to have that conversation, to go back about some of that process of discovery and what that was like. So Katie, for those who maybe are listening for the first time who didn't hear your story last time, would you kind of recap, especially that portion where you're engaged and then you're awakening to new realities of yourself? Sure. Um, so I was in grad school. It was in the mid 2000s. Crazy to say that um, since we're now not in the mid 2000s. So I'm old, but anyways, um, and I was in grad school and had a long-term live-in boyfriend um, while in grad school, fell in love with a woman in my program um, and kind of figured that out three days before my boyfriend at the time and I took off for New York um, for Thanksgiving where he proposed to me. 
Um, and deer in headlights, I said yes, but I knew that there was like this other stirring inside of me and that there was something going on that I had never experienced or ever expected to happen to me. Um, but said yes, because how do you say no when you are flown to New York and you're around family and everyone knows about this thing that's happening and Um, so then for the next, I don't know, six to nine months, I was kind of unpacking, um, the fact that I was engaged to a man that I really, truly loved and still love. I'm not in love with him, but I love him. Um, he's an amazing human being. And this other part of myself that I just started to learn about and discover, uh, and to hold space for both of that while not judging myself or hating myself for the fact that I, was living almost two lives, um, which felt really uncomfortable, but I had to allow myself the space to process and discover and unpack what all of that meant. Um, so, um, long story short, I had to, I did break off my engagement. Um, but it was scary. I mean, I, I remember being really scared through that whole period. Um, again, not hating myself necessarily at all, but, I mean, not liking that I was living two lives, but um, allowing myself that space to just figure out what did that mean and who was I and what is this new part of myself that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was wild. Wow. It was, and I totally broke his heart. And thank God we're still mm-hmm. friends, and he's amazing, married with a son. Um, but it was rough. It was rough. <laughs> mm. There's there's a couple things that you said there that. I think are really important or that ring true for me. There's, there's a lot of it. All of it's important to me. I think the first thing that you shared uh, was about the pressure of that moment because mm-hmm. so many, you talked about because family is there and everyone knows this part of me and you felt this pressure from people around you that you loved to say yes in a moment where maybe within you, you knew I'm not in a place to maybe make this kind of commitment mm-hmm. right now. What would you say to our sisters and brothers in the world who spend so much of their time doing the same thing? There's family around, people they love and cherish, and yet within themselves to be to maintain and have integrity would mean doing something that maybe disappoints Mm -hmm. a lot of the people around them. Yeah, that's hard. And obviously in 2010 or 11, whatever that was for me, uh, I wasn't able to be authentic and lean into what I knew to be true. Um, So it's not easy. I think it's one of those opportunities when you're faced with something like that to really be true to yourself. And there's this quote, and I'm not going to get it right, but it's something along the lines of um, choose a difficult conversation now instead of living into a horrible long-term discomfort, essentially. Mm. But having the, the confidence to be honest in the moment and say, hmm, something's not right. And, and lean into that difficult conversation then. Instead of for me, it was a, a long-term nine months of discomfort. My fiance at the time knew something was up. He knew that there was something wrong, but I kept dodging him and the questions and all that. And I really did a lot more damage because I wasn't honest in that moment when I turned around and he was on his knee. And, and the immediate thought I, that I had was, oh God, oh, oh gosh, like, what do I do? I can't, I'm Mm. not, uh, yes. Like that's what happened instead of being really honest in the moment with him to say like, Hey, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's happening right now, but this doesn't feel right. Um, Mm. and, and I know that would have been pain in the moment, but it would have, um, it would have saved him a lot of hurt and a lot of hurt to the people in our lives that I caused. If I had the confidence in that moment to say that. Mm. There's, um, when you say the confidence of that moment, that's it's that's stirring something within me. I'm wondering, because I think to me, that's one of the reasons, and I shared the story in our last episode together, but one of the reasons why I think 
where I find the most inspiration from you, there's a sense of, there's a strong sense of self-identity and self-confidence. And I'm, I'm just wondering, do you think that this process or the process of going through holding space for yourself, choosing, you know, when you talked about um, have a difficult conversation instead of living it. And to my mind, it's like, instead of living into a story that maybe isn't true, which probably isn't the quote, it's just in <laughs> we're my mind, rewriting. Like a conversation. <laughs> Come on, we're here for that. We are here for rewriting and reimagining. But it makes me think about the process of building that ability to trust yourself and have that self-confidence. To me, that journey, the journey from the yes in New York to a difficult conversation later on, I think to me is probably one of the most formative self-confidence spaces that you've been in. Mm. Um, so I wonder about, I wonder if, you know, I don't, I just don't know if it's like, is it a, is it a self-confidence thing or is it, is it the opportunity that we're faced with to grow in confidence? And mm. I'm sure it's both. There's like the ability to be courageous, to trust within ourselves. And there's the ability of like the relationship. Like if the relationship is strong enough, maybe, maybe even in a moment where there's so much expectation, so many people around when it's with my partner, then I can still have this conversation. But I think that's part of the journey. Yeah. Um, no, it's interesting that you say it's kind of, both in the same, or you can hold both and have that confidence, but also grow the confidence. And for me, I think those that year or so when I was trying to figure myself out, I was not true to myself and I wasn't confident in who I was. And there are a couple other times in my life when that was the case. Um, but I think that's why it made it's so easy to say yes, because I wasn't confident yet in who I was and what this new story or this new chapter of figuring out parts of myself meant. Um, so it was so much easier to be inauthentic and be like, oh, okay, yes, you know, everyone wants to be proposed to everyone wants this magical story and this beautiful ring. And, you know, if I say yes to this, then maybe it means all these other things that I've questioned and experienced aren't true. And I don't have to then go down this journey of discovering myself and feeling un uncomfortable or um, not being confident in who I am, which is not uh, a comfortable space for me because I like being authentic and I like knowing who I am and I like putting that out into the world. And so that year or so was super uncomfortable for me. And uh, I lost a lot of myself in that process because there was a lot of lying. There was a lot of um, having to look myself in the mirror and not liking who I saw. Cause it's like, oh, okay, cool. Like you're saying, you know, you're living this one thing, but then over here in the corners of darkness, you're like figuring out this other thing. Um, so I would agree with you. I think through the process of that year or so, I gained a lot of trust in myself. I gained a lot of confidence, but it didn't come overnight and it wasn't, easy. <laughs> it was really hard. Um, and there was a lot of pain that happened for myself and for others, um, in order to get to this, this new space. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing those things. I, my, my mind is like racing with so much curiosity. I'm, I'm thinking about the compromises that we make. And for me, I think I've been in a season where I was just evaluating these small compromises that they undermine self-trust. So when we talk about self-confidence, every decision that I make against the, the intuition of my heart, against the, the truest truths that I know to be true within me, whether those things mature and change or transform, if I make a decision today that goes against that, then I lose my ability to trust myself. I'm, I lose my ability to trust my heart. And I think that that's something that we're all dealing with. Uh, and it's the opportunity we all have every day 
to grow self-confidence is to be true to those things within ourselves. And, and like you're saying, no matter how much pain it feels like they will create. And when I look at you today, almost a decade or a decade plus from Ooh. those moments, <laughs> you know, it's how, how incredible. And I think that we all want to be, when I look at you, Katie, I look, I'm looking at somebody, I'm listening to somebody who is walking, like you said, walking in authenticity and integrity to her story, her faith, her family, her values, her beliefs. And we all want to be in that place, but it requires that we make the decisions in, in many times. Sometimes the family around and the expectation around, it's right in line with who we are. And we get to kind of like, it's almost like you can ride that wave. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I don't think that that person whose personal wave and the wave of people around them, I don't think it creates the same kind of self-confidence as the person who has to wrestle through the season of choosing self over almost everybody else. Mm -hmm. And that is a really, really hard season. And it sounds like a whole lot, but you talked about holding space for yourself. What did that look like during that season while you're figuring it out and wrestling with what was true and how do I maintain integrity and, and this new authenticity? Because mm -hmm. it wasn't like, it wasn't like you were lying before you fell in love in your, in your program. And then all of a sudden something is new. There's a new reality. So how did you hold space for yourself to wrestle and to be true? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it was such a crazy time for me. I'm not even sure how I did it, to be honest with you, or what I right. what I right, created. Right. I just know looking back that I allowed it. Um, I was so busy. I was working full-time. I was going to school full-time. I was doing a part-time internship. I was living these two crazy lives, one as a straight woman, one as a woman that was figuring out her sexuality. Um, so I don't really know, Mark, exactly what I did. I think I, I took it day by day. I allowed myself to have moments of joy. I allowed myself to have moments of sadness. Um, but I never allowed myself to unpack in the self-hatred that could happen easily when we are walking in an uncomfortable situation where maybe we're not living into integrity. Um, and that's really hard for me because I like to have integrity. I like to be authentic. Um, but in the process of allowing myself to figure it out and allowing myself to almost live these two different lives, I was being authentic, if that makes sense. Like I was figuring out what authenticity would look like in this next chapter in my life. Mm -hmm. um, I had one friend who knew everything and that was a good escape for me. I could speak with him um, and, and kind of process what was going on. Um, but to tell you what I did, I, I don't even really, I don't even really know because it's such a blur when I look back at that time and, Sometimes I wonder how I even got through it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I think for me, what, what feels really important is that you didn't stuff the new things. Hmm. You didn't stuff them or try to force them into the thing. And this is kind of interesting. It feels like, I don't even know. It feels, for me, it feels scary to... Um, to think about, but I think about, um, you just gave yourself the space. You just didn't shut it down. I don't know. <laughs> like giving yourself space. It's not like you had tons of space. You're saying like, mm -hmm. I was doing an internship. I was working. There wasn't tons of space out there, but what you didn't do was stuff the new attractions and then just try to like force yourself into a story that no longer felt true. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons this feels important to me, Katie, is like, like you said, this is in 2022. I feel like we're just hearing, I am hearing, and the world is waking up to different things. And so many people 
have found themselves in stories, living into lives and stories that aren't true for themselves. Mm -hmm. And they've never been, they've never had to do, they've never had to disappoint everyone around them to maintain integrity within themselves. And in my mind, that, that's, that happens with career. It happens. I think the deepest, most scary parts is with family, mm-hmm. where family's expecting you to be one thing and you're waking up to something new. To me, what feels really important is when you talk about having, having that person with you that you can be honest and candid with and kind of like put it out there. So for me, when you said like the one thing I can point to is I had a friend who knew everything. Mm-hmm. And for you as someone who, you know, has is a therapist and has practiced therapy and has walked with people through difficult times where they're learning to trying to figure out who they are, what they want, where they've been, where they're headed. Can you share a little bit about what it means to be able to express that full authenticity. So instead of suppressing, you're able to express it and then almost like process a little bit with this one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do think that's so important. And <clears throat> I have to say that I think being a good listener, I think not judging is really important. Um, I guess as I get older, I realize that we all have our stuff. We all have the things that we want to keep in the corner and not address, not let the world see, um, not bring to the light because we might disappoint or maybe our family unit doesn't look as it seems to the outside world and there's things going on or whatever it is. But I've learned as I've gotten older what a gift it is to just listen and not judge. And I've had friends recently who have shared with me some pretty dark secrets in their mind about things that they've done in the past or things that they've gone through or choices that they made. And I think the greatest gift we can give is just sit there and listen and say, gosh, that must have been so hard. Or I'm so sorry that you had to go through that and you didn't have someone to lean on. Or um, something I recently said is, how am I going to judge you when I know what's in my closet? Like, why am I going to sit here and, you know, pass judgment on the choices that you made when I know that I'm not perfect? I will never be perfect. And I will continue to make mistakes. But by the grace of God, I will be forgiven. And I will continue to learn from the mistakes that I make. And I think it's so important if we all faced each other that way and treated each other that way. I don't think we would have deep deep, dark corners of our lives that we wouldn't allow people to see or put, you know, put the light to, because we would know then that we are faced with grace and love and acceptance and understanding that life is messy and everyone has that mess. No one is, no one has a clean house. Like no matter how much I clean my kitchen today, there's still mess in there, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Huh. What, what feels interesting to me is when you share about that, <laughs> the ability to be gracious towards others, it feels like uh, the road towards that is encountering grace for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I just don't think everybody has encountered real um, significant enough grace for themselves. I think a lot of people, when you talk about suspending judgment, Mm -hmm. um, the maturity of the person who can walk with their friends while their friend is walking towards marriage with one man and in love with a woman and to hold the space for that and just kind of hold it. To me, that takes tremendous maturity. And I would imagine, like I can, I can imagine people listening and thinking like, what kind of a person would allow you to do that? How do you, like, is holding space the wrong thing? Um, And I don't know for whoever that is listening. I don't, I just don't, I don't think it is the wrong thing. I think it's grace. I think it is allowing you because it's never my decision to Mm -hmm. like, I don't know what your life is. I don't know what your journey is. And I can't tell you what that move to make is, but to give you the space to kind of discover what is most true and help and just be alongside while you're making your decisions I think is a loving thing to do. Mm -hmm. And whether that is right or wrong is a different conversation, but I do think it is loving and it honors you and it honors 
the space that you find yourself in. But like I said, I, I do think that there are a lot of people who have either never really encountered grace. And I think that that's true for people who've grown up in families where there are lots of conditions mm -hmm. and grown up in faith traditions where there are a lot of conditions. Good point. And I don't, I just think that I, that mindset, heart set, story uh, doesn't give the space for holding space or things that aren't right or wrong or mm -hmm. uh, that's really hard. So when I would say to someone who's thinking like, how did, um, and this is my best friend and he's amazing and he's the godfather to my son and I'm the godmother to his son. So, uh, he is just a total gift and light. But I would say to anyone that's questioning that is, uh, think about a time that you went through a difficult period or somewhere in a, in a, time when maybe you were not being not showing up with integrity or in a tough situation, how would you want someone to show up for you? How would you want someone to support you through that? Um, and I get it. I, I know it sounds crazy. And it's like, gosh, how is he supporting you as you're cheating on your fiance and figuring out your sexuality? 110%. But also because he allowed me that and he gave me that love, I was able to really love myself through a really hard time where I could have turned to drugs. I could have turned to alcohol. I could have done a totally a crazy things because I was, you know, spinning out of control, but because I had an anchor that said, I love you still, and you are still good and you are still worthy, even though you may not be the best version of who you want to be and how you want to show up. That doesn't mean that part of you is lost. It just means that you need this time to figure out what is your next step. And because he gave that to me, I, I mean, it's the greatest gift in the entire world. And I can't thank him enough for loving me enough to allow me a judgment-free zone to do that in. And I would say, again, like I said, life is really messy. And I've had a lot of friends who have had to make really tough decisions um, because someone, you know, their partner stepped out on them and they had to decide what am I going to fight for? Am I going to fight in divorce court or am I going to fight for my family? And to be able to provide whatever their choices are and to be able to provide that support for them. And then if they choose to stay to not judge anyone for that, I think is so important. So for people to say, oh gosh, it's like, think about yourself and what you would want someone, how you would want someone to show up and love you through a really hard time. Oh my goodness. I feel like we're like on this topic of grace and I just don't even know, like our ideas of grace are very, <laughs> it's so interesting. Your posture is, is like, it's, it makes me smile. It's filling me with joy because I think that our ideas of grace, they are, they're infused. There's, there's condition there's limits all in the DNA of our ideas of grace. Mm. And for many people who grew up in church and different faith systems, it's like, I think I grew up in, Christ, in the Christian tradition and it was like interwoven that my behavior and like love and my belovedness and grace, like I don't think, I never really, <laughs> I didn't have an idea I don't think, I mean, I still don't have an idea, I think, close to the actuality of God's unlimited, limitless, you know, stop at nothing kind of grace and love mm -hmm. for me. But I just, I just think there's so many people in the world and, and our ideas of grace are so limited. But I also know that for me, to be honest with some of the deepest darkest seasons in my own life I came I came to it's almost like I came to the end of like the veneer of like I had earned it or I was living good enough to like it's not even be worthy of grace but that my idea of grace had to be shattered because my behavior could no longer even like rationalize that story that mm -hmm. that story of grace so it was like I had to uh redefine grace because a a conditional grace 
I didn't fit in that anymore mm. because I had, I, I had um, betrayed my own self. I betrayed my trust. I betrayed the stories that I thought were true, my, my truest values. Um, and so I had to, it was a season of like rediscovering something bigger. And this again goes to this point where I think we're all in a space, whether it's like Instagram technology, we're all in a space where it's like, I don't think these old stories of grace or right or wrong, they're not quite fitting where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. And we need space. We need to hold space for a reimagined story of grace. Hmm. Really interesting. Yeah. I also think um, you talk about Christianity and religion, and that's how we understand grace, uh, which totally makes sense, right? Um, but I also think a lot of religion is created by man. And so man needs us to be able to check boxes because we want to know, are you this or are you that? Are you this or are you that? So it would make sense that if we're being taught grace through man's lens, then there are a bunch of conditions that you need to meet in order to get this grace. But if we're looking at God, the relationship, and we're looking at the love that God has for us, then there are no conditions on grace. And I, I wish that we could all face it that way, right? So I don't need to sit here with my checklist to make sure that you're checking all the boxes to get grace. Instead, I'm just going to give it to you and know that giving it to you means you're going to live into it and you're going to be a different person because I was able to extend grace to you with no condition, with no judgment, with no, okay, Mark, if you check this box, this box, this box, then you get to have this grace. <laughs> it's like, no, let me just give it to you and see the wonderness that's wonderness. I think I made up a word, but see what's going to happen <laughs> with you in this time and season because someone extended that to you. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm looking back to the times in my life where I'm most disappointed in myself, where I was most afraid of losing things that were valuable to me and the ways that people extended a grace that I didn't even have like the imagination for at the time, mm -hmm. because I think back to what you said about like my, my deep, dark closet secret or whatever you talked about the corners, the dark corners. Um, it's for me, it's like, it's that thing. I think everybody's own thing is like this monster of a mm -hmm. thing. That's like, because it's your own thing. Uh, and, but other people have their own thing. And, but the people who can be honest about their own thing, they're the ones who have the capacity to help you be honest about yours. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like if I'm learning to love myself, I don't have time to like it the energy, the space, or, or I'm not in a place to judge you for yours. Cause I'm still trying to hold mine with tenderness and kindness and be gracious to myself or encounter grace, discover grace for my own self. Right. And, uh, <laughs> I, it's hard. I just, I think I keep coming against this thought. It's like, are there enough of us out there being beacons of grace? Then it's, then my next thought is, how am I practicing grace? Like, it's not like, you know, it's not an arrival. Mm. So there's so much, there's like, there's grace for like my annoying dog. There's grace for <laughs> children. There's grace for my partner. There's grace for business partners. And to really be like this beacon of unconditional grace is radical, but it's also, it's it's extraordinarily radical. That word is like, I think it's played out, but it's like, it's something way different. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's a lot of us out there. And, and by us, I'm trying to include everybody listening because mm -hmm. I, I don't got it. But then there's um, just the practice of that and the ways that it trans... The, there's the practice, the ways that that transforms me, but that is costly. Mm-hmm. So how do I, you know, when we talk about suspending judgment, now I'm thinking about how do I suspend expectation? Mm. Uh, the prerequisite to resentment or frustration or, man, and to be able to be gracious and, and just to see you as someone on your journey, just like I'm on mine. It's not like we're all stumbling around in the dark, although I think we all, 
we're finding our way, wrestling our way towards authenticity. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that feels like a whole nother conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Because that cost is, is, um, is really important. But you know, when I do think about that cost, I think about there's a couple of things. There's a cost to authenticity, cost to grace. And not like a Jesus paid it all cost, but it's like the cost, the 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 everyday kinds of costs of living into that way of being mm-hmm. and to invite others to be them their full selves. And and I think that Jesus was someone who was pointing the way to that. Mm-hmm. And when I think of that, when, when we've come to this, like, there is a, it, there's a script and a thing that we see as the way that things are supposed to be. So the love of my life at the time asked me to be his partner forever, except that now I'm falling in love and experiencing new things I haven't experienced before. And I don't have script for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of like, okay, what, what do I do with all of this? To me, that, that space reminds me of not just Jesus, but we said radical before, this radical grace, this new way of seeing things, of being. And so Jesus steps on the scene in his early 30s, and he's like, saying things that haven't been said before because everyone has a certain script and a certain expectation. So it makes me think of this, this portion of scripture where Jesus is, you know, telling these stories and for him, you know, they've become the, the sermon on the Mount, this kind of like pinnacle of what does it mean to live into this reality, this kingdom, this different way of being. And I want to share, let's look at this passage from Matthew 5, and we'll see how far we get. Well, we'll, I'll start with this point, and then we'll go to another kind of later on down the passage about love and who gets love. And in my mind, and where we're at now, it's like, who gets grace? So Jesus is sharing these, like, formative stories. And we've talked about like the story we live into and having a difficult conversation, but living into a different story. Jesus is interrupting the ways that people have told the story of Yahweh. And he's telling a new story. Um, and it's not new. And he'll say this word fulfilled and we can get into that. So this is Jesus in Matthew five. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven for i tell you unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and pharisees you will never enter the kingdom of heaven then later on he describes these different situations that it it plays into and in the last one uh he says, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your God who's in heaven. Sons and daughters of your God who's in heaven. For God makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just And on the unjust, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Even tax collectors do that. If you greet only your sisters and brothers, people you know, what more are you doing than other people? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? 
You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly God is perfect. So that's Matthew 5, verses 17 through 20, and then 43 through 48. So Katie, on the back end of our conversation about self-discovery, authenticity, truth, script stories, expectations, people around us, like what stands out to you from this passage today? So much. <laughs> As you're reading, I'm just like, hmm, I love when you read scripture. Um, there was a part um, where it talks about, well, one, the love thy neighbor, which I want to get to, and thy enemy. Um, why don't I start there, actually? Uh, when you were reading that, I was thinking about how um, you could take it literally and say, oh, I need to love my neighbor and I need to love my enemy. But I was thinking about it in a way of there are parts of ourselves that we don't love and there are parts of ourselves that feel like the enemy. And so when I was going through this kind of transformation and understanding of myself, if I had not shown myself love, if I hadn't loved those parts of myself that, like we talked about, others could have judged me for and said, oh, how are you doing this, right? I think I would have been in a different situation. So I think we need to look at scripture and, and we do this very well. And I, and I love how you also look at scripture, but look at it beyond just the black and white text of it. And what more could this be telling us? And so again, as you were reading that, I was thinking about, mm, wow, I think that we all need to love ourselves. And that's that grace, right? That's showing that grace. If you're going to love your enemy, if you're going to love the parts of yourself that are not the uh, greatest or that you want to hide away, if we can do that, just think about how much better a world we would be in. Um, but that's kind of the last part of when you were reading that. That's kind of where my head went. Okay. I, I love that you invited us there to that place. Be I'm thinking like how powerful and important that we love the places within ourselves that feel like an enemy. Mm. The places that draw us away from the person we most want to be participating in our world and the ways we most want to do it. And to me, my, my question becomes love. When I think about it's, when I think about how I love someone or something, when I grew up, love meant commitment. You stay committed to something. Therapy, my therapy, kind of the last two years of therapy journey, love has become devotion and tenderness. Mm. And so when I think about what your best friend did for you to show you tenderness, and when I think about what it means to love ourselves, and especially these places that are, you know, when we talk about um, the enemy, I just think about woundedness. Mm. We, there's woundedness that drives self-preservation and the ways of self-preservation that become, I think, walls or barriers or practices that they're not going to get us to the intimacy, the devotion and tenderness we want from ourselves or the people around us. But they served us at some point mm -hmm. to, to, to protect us. But now I'm thinking about, again, who came up in our first conversation, Brene Brown. And it's like the courage to engage. And, and there's a real vulnerability to ending practices that are self-preserving, mm -hmm. like not communicating my truth, not communicating emotions, and trying to, or trying to preserve the people around me. So I'm like, just, I become the the human sacrifice in my home or in that particular relationship or at my job and what i feel like you're inviting us to and what jesus is inviting us to well what you're inviting us to from this interpretation of what jesus is saying is how can we be tender and devoted to ourselves in a way that can hold space for those most wounded parts that are most incongruent with what we want. And to me, it's, it, you know, and it starts like 
why do we want what we want? And mm. is that want really in line with who we really are or some of the deeper, truest parts of ourselves? So I do, I would ask you, what would it look like to love? Well, you, you, you have some responses to that already. So you share what you're thinking, but I do. And then I want to know what you think about how do we love those places within us that are, that feel like an enemy? Mm-hmm. Well, I was just thinking too, that if we can love those parts of ourselves that feel like the enemy, then we can hold space for and love others whether or not they're our neighbor, maybe they are our enemy, maybe they have wronged us. But if we can learn to love the darkest parts of ourselves, then we can learn to love others who we see are not treating us well or not um, whatever it is, right? It doesn't mean to break the boundary and have an unhealthy relationship with someone that is not good for you. But do we want to carry around that hate, right? It's better to love and to extend that and to know that I've cleared that out of my system, you know, whether that's the darkest parts of myself that I'm trying to shine light on, or if I just want to extend love then to um, my enemy or to someone with whom I I can't have a close relationship with, but I don't want to judge them. I just want to say, I love you and I'm sorry for what you're going through. And I I pray that you have someone that walks with you in that, right? Um, But that's what I was thinking when you were talking. Um, Mm. But how to love ourselves Gosh, I I don't know, because I feel like I feel like I just do it, right? Just like I love you and I love your family and I love your wife and I love our church. Like I just do it. So I don't know. I think it's it's so much easier to extend that to others that I challenge us to turn it inward. And why is it that I love this, this, and this, right? And how do I turn that and hold the mirror for myself to say, but you also deserve love? And you also deserve that tenderness and you also Mm. deserve that care. Um, Mm. Because if I can put it out in the world, then I should be able to turn it around and go inward. Um, But that's hard because you have to sit with yourself and you have to know the parts of yourself that maybe you're avoiding with working too much or going out and drinking with your friends or, you know, always staying busy because it's hard to sit with the parts of ourselves that aren't great. Um, But I love all those parts. I love all the things I've done to get me to where I am today because I wouldn't be here today if I didn't have that rocky road or those parts of myself that I wasn't proud of at the time, but now I'm really proud of because it got me to where I am today. Mm -hmm. I think that's so beautiful to me. I think about, it's almost like, I don't know if you ever read The Shack, I don't know why this is coming up for me right now. I started to read it. My uh, grandma, Chelsea's um, grandma gave it to me. So I started it. It was really good. And I don't know why I stopped. (laughs) Well, it's just, well, it's here. We aren't just uh, diverting here. I think um, there's this, the the picture of the Holy Spirit is this like black woman. Mm -hmm. This, um, I just think about uh, a heavy set, comfy warm just big personality loving black woman Mm -hmm. and to me when i think about how can i love myself or where do we start when we need to like turn that love towards ourselves i think about who is the most loving person you know and if we can take a moment to think about what do they do that makes you feel loved Mm. so that picture then that picture turned me towards like the the hospitable black grandma um any grandma i think i this is this is particularly true to my story uh, but i think the spaces where oh well she would stop everything and listen to me mm. so she wouldn't just keep going like we're not having a hard time right now she would create the space back to what your friend held for you mm-hmm. um, for me to be heard. And so what, so that's the, maybe like a first practice is like, how can you create this space for yourself to be heard? Does that mean, you know, if, if the most loving person, you know, would take you to coffee, what if you carved out an hour or two hour blocking your schedule and took yourself to your favorite coffee spot, brought your journal or brought something to write with, 
because the physical slowing down writing is important, not just the note in your phone or just to be quiet with yourself and just and try to listen to allow the things that are within you to come up. So there's like a practice of self-love, especially in a season where something that seems incongruent to the story you've been living in but feels really true to who you are is bubbling up within you. How can you create the space to hear that within you? And I think about therapy, mm-hmm. the practice of like, how can you hear that? Or someone who is like skilled at excavating your soul a little bit, helping you to do your work to, to encounter those deeper truths within yourselves, ourselves, to do that, to create that space to hear. So I guess to me, one of the, the, the imagination point that I think can be helpful is who's the most loving person I know? What are the things that they do that make people feel loved? And then you, you can write a list of that. And then how can you do those for yourself? Mm-hmm. And what I was so, hearing, what kept coming up for me is just being intentional. So as you mm, were talking, it's just intentionality. It sounds like for that first step is just be intentional with yourself, with your time. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I don't think we do that well as a society. I don't think we intentionally slow down enough to spend time with ourselves and to hear what's really going on. Cause it's our inner voice. It's that really quiet inner voice. It's that gut feeling. It's that, you know, that to me is where the real stuff is. Right. But it's so easy to stuff it down and to say, no, no, no. Similarly, when I, you know, when I turned around and he was on his knees and there was that little voice that said, no. Right. But for me, it was like, I am not listening to you little voice. Um, but again, there was so much heartache that came along with that instead of just listening to my gut feeling and being intentional to stop, pause and think like, is this really the best option for me? Is this really where my life is headed right now? Again, all part of my story, and I'm really thankful for all of it. But if, you know, I could help someone not go through that same pain, it's just what you said. It's being intentional and listening to yourself and giving yourself that space to do it, right? And to not judge yourself through it because you're going to find some things out about yourself that might shock you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I I think one thing that stands out to me and rings as true is like, it's going to hurt either way. Right. So it can, it can. And that hurt, that painful, you know, do we want to be people who avoid pain at all costs or do we want to be the people who are living into the most beautiful, truest expression of who we are for this one shot that we got? Right. You know, got one shot. (laughs) It's so true. And the quote came to me, it's short term um, pain for or long term dysfunction. So when you said dysfunction, it popped into my head. So there's, there's short term pain of making that decision versus the long term dysfunction when you're not being true and honest to yourself. Mm, mm, mm. That is really powerful. So to me, that feels like that, that loving part. How do we love our, I think that there's something in the beginning of the, the portion that we read where Jesus is saying, Hey, I, I I haven't come to throw all that stuff out. I've come to fulfill them. Mm-hmm. And then this invitation to a new way of seeing things. Was there anything around that that sparked for you? Um, yeah, it's it's his invitation to us. He's inviting us into this new way of being, this new way of seeing ourselves or interacting with the world. And he's calling to say, this is what I want of you. I want you to live into the new. I want you to shed the old. I want you to trust that when you walk this way, your life is going to be so fulfilling. There's going to be so much love, so much grace, so much abundance, but you have to trust me and trust yourself enough to say, okay, here I am. And this is the direction that I'm going to head in. Um, but yeah, I think that was the piece that did stand out to me where it's like, okay, he's calling us to this. He's saying there's a new way to live that you can be different, do different. And, and I want you to respond differently. Uh, but you have to have the trust, the faith and the confidence to go in that direction. But he's saying, here I am. Like, I'm telling you, this is the way to go. But sometimes it's scary, you know, it's scary to say, okay, there's this new 
journey, this new way of being, this new chapter, and I just have to lean into it, trust it, and know that it's gonna. There are gonna be parts of the journey that I'm gonna stumble, but at the end of it, there's gonna be something so beautiful because I'm being true and authentic to myself. Mm. When we read this story, I think a lot of times we're reading it in as history. So this mm. is what Jesus did. Jesus did that. He kind of did this, that, and the other. And when you say Jesus is inviting us to be these same kinds of people that say, hey, I, I'm not here to abolish everything you've ever known, but let's discover what those things can look like now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's not true. What is the truest expression of what it looks like now? And that feels that feels really important. Like that agency to say like, this is what you've chosen. This is what you're looking for, right? Whatever those values are in our lives, wealth, family, health, um, I'm thinking passion, these different mm-hmm. things that drive us, that their values that we're pushing for. And Jesus, this invitation feels like, um, <laughs> this, you can, it doesn't have to look like what it looked like for those people over there. Mm-hmm. And so for for hundreds of years, people had read, thousands of years, people have read some of these texts or told the stories to one another through their own lenses. And Jesus came on the scene and said, I hear what you're saying, (laughs) right? You've heard it said this, but I'm saying to you, this is what it looks like, or this is a new way of being. And I think there's, there's a lot of beauty to me and when you, you, you talked about fear, there's a lot that just comes up around like, what is it going to look like for you, for your one life that you have when you think about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and family and wealth and generations and your children and all those things? Is that going to be the story that your grandparents told your parents that your parents raised into you? Or will be back to intention, or will mm-hmm. you intentionally craft a new story? And when I think of your life, Katie, you've intentionally created a new story that hasn't been without pain. It's come with a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Pain you've chosen and pain you have you don't we don't get to choose all of our pain. Mm-hmm. But would we rather live a reactive life based on all the scripts and stories we've been handed? or be intentional and live a proactive life where we create the story that we feel is most true and authentic and loving towards ourselves and our neighbors. Mm-hmm. How incredible. And when you choose that life and that's what you put out and, and people feel that people, when you talk about confidence or giving grace or holding space, when you have walked through your own fire and you've gotten to the other side of it, people feel it and they know it. And they too then feel like they can walk through their own fire alongside you. Right. And I think that's so important. And that to me is what authenticity is, is to say, Hey, I've been through my fires too. And it wasn't great all the time, but I made it through. And now look at this life that I have because I chose to lean into my authenticity and my truth. Instead of living what the world tells me I need to live, I listened to my voice and God's voice and developed a life that I am proud to live. And I want to come alongside you and be a part of the story that gets you to the life that you are proud to live. Speechless. We have to leave the intentional, just the space of the sound. Goodness, freaking gracious. Oh, man. Katie. I don't know whether to say this like on the recorded part. I'm going to say this on the recorded portion. You know, when I think about like, if I was ever to do a show that was like, where you have like the standard four, three folks that are going to like talk about life and things that are happening, you're like on the top list of those people that I, I just feel like there's so much wisdom, joy, perspective. And I think part of that is because you've gone through your own fire you can sit squarely in your space. You can look yourself in the mirror. 
And that looking yourself, that loving yourself is that invitation to others. That's where I think about those quotes about like, yo, your healing is tied to my healing mm. and the world's healing is all tied together. I think you're such an incredible beacon of grace and love. And I'm really, really grateful that you share your time, your presence with us again. <laughs> Thank you so much, Katie. We appreciate you. Thanks, Mark. I and thanks for having me back. It means a lot. Absolutely. It's incredible. So, I mean, there's so many takeaways, I think, from today's conversation. But I really think for those of us who are staring some challenges in the face, I think one thing that stands out big time is like, Katie, to me, is this image of what it looks like to be true and to take that short-term discomfort instead of choosing a long-term dysfunction and to think about 10 years from now if you're true and you are intentional with your life don't think about the discomfort of this moment but think about what about 10 years from now when you've matured and transformed and even if that 10 years you're going to be 60 or you're going to be 50 or 70 or you're going to be 30 or 37 um man the invitation to an incredible life well-lived, set in intention. How beautiful. So just know <laughs> you are so loved and there's no bounds to God's grace for you. There's nothing you could do to disqualify yourself from God's incredible, radical love and grace for you. And it's that love and grace that like gives us permission to be our full selves and and welcomes us into our full authenticity. And like the goal of our podcast and now organization is that like you would know that we are all experiencing those kinds of things and we are all family. That's what it means to be human. So you are loved and we are family and we can't wait to like meet you, hear from you and see you soon. Adios family.